Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Colm, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaeth. He's one of our elders, and this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets, where we take uh, the Old Testament, we, we blow it up, and we get into the text. Um, if you are listening to this on Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share the video. That really helps us out. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. Uh, here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchofvictoria.com and uh, you can see what we're all about. Or you can check us out on, at facebook.com slash vctchurch. Um, if this ministry has blessed you in any way or you would like to partner with us as we uh, seek to take the gospel to the world, I want to encourage you to head over to our website and there's a donate button there at the top. You take it PayPal and you can send us whatever you'd like. We appreciate any gift and we really do appreciate the partnership. Um, lately, and so we are in, in transitioning. So if you'll notice on our podcast specifically, this, this really only affects the podcast, but if you notice on our podcast, all of our videos are gone. Um, we are in the process of transitioning host providers. So that should change here within the next week. We should start to have, have content again back on the podcast. So if you primarily watch this or listen to this via the podcast, uh, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or, or one of the Google Podcasts, uh, just want to apologize for that, for that inconvenience. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 12 chapter 12 and uh, we're right in the middle of some of some uh, regulations of some mm -hmm. kind of what we would con traditionally think well, of like all. we talked about last week we, we talked about you know this is really where it's starting to connect to Jesus oh yeah you know this is kind of the beginning where it really connects to Jesus about being the Passover lamb I think we talked about that some last week and and uh, and this really is uh, is the nation of Israel you know transitioning from one part of their life into another I mean they they're gonna leave Egypt now and they're gonna be in the wilderness uh, and we're gonna and we're gonna follow them for the next forty years, and we're gonna see a lot of things that are gonna happen, a lot of things that God's gonna do, uh, and see the way that God works with His people. Yeah, which is very important to us. Oh yeah, how God works with us and how God because we're dealing with the same God. It just we're we're in a different transitional place th than they were. Well, it's always interesting to me how often we hear um, people say that you know, well, I, I don't understand the God of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's really it's always interesting to kind of hear that. Um, it really to me it it says that. You're not really a student of the Old Testament. No. You're not. You're not paying attention to what he's doing there, um, and with good reason. You know, we, as we've said multiple times, you know, when you look at the book, you when you look at the Bible. It looks like a single book, but it's not. It's 66 books. Mm -hmm. And when we read a book, we start at the beginning. Well, when you read a book, if you pick up the Bible and start reading at the beginning, you hit Genesis, and then things go off the rails. You get about here in Exodus, or you get to Leviticus. Things start to get real weird. Yeah, and we don't really understand. With the yeah. story, it's hard to keep track of what's yeah, really going it on. Is. And and most people that I've studied with, they, and if they've read any at all, that that's about Leviticus where they where they say, you know, I'm done. Well, I'm and done. you know, if you think of Genesis, you know, it's a 50, 52 chapter book, mm -hmm. uh, or fifty chapter book. I forget exactly how many chapters are in Genesis, but point is, you know, it's hard to remember what the story is. It's hard to remember who the protagonist is yeah. with Genesis, right? Gen the protagonist is God. Mm -hmm. In all of this, the protagonist yeah. is God. Yeah. So it's hard to keep that in mind and you start following the characters. And, and I remember when I first started studying the book, I got to I got to Genesis 12 and Abraham fled down to Egypt because of the, the famine, right? Mm -hmm. And then he lied. And I went, Abraham lied! Yeah. You know, yeah. I was sh yeah. shocked, shocked. I couldn't believe it. If you understand that, that everything in the Old Testament has got one one central purpose is to point us to Christ. That's right. 
It's all it does, points us to Christ. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is about pointing us to Christ. You see a lot of ups and downs, a lot of valleys and peaks and all that stuff. And, and, but all of, it, all of it in a nutshell is pointing us to Jesus. Everything. Prophets, all of it. Everything. Uh, from Malachi to Genesis, it's all the same, pointing us to Jesus. And then, and then the Gospels is, a, is about this Jesus life. That's right. And then from then on, it's about the church. Well, hey, let's pray and let's get into okay. it. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study this this evening. We're, we're grateful, Father, for the for the opportunity we have to, to just to navigate through the book. We pray for our audience. We pray for the folks that are listening that they might they might understand, they might learn, and they might have the courage, Father, to apply these things to their lives. We are we are striving, Father, to get close to Jesus. We're striving to get close to the Messiah, to understand him and understand how you work in our lives. Help us to do that, Father, as we navigate through all of this stuff. Some of it very difficult, and we just ask your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, you know, you've mentioned it a couple of times. You said it, we said it a few times at this point. You know, this is a 10-course correspondence course, mm-hmm. uh, a 10-course correspondence mm-hmm. course for uh, Pharaoh. He's, he's learning who God is through yep. this process. Mm-hmm. Of course, Pharaoh isn't the intended recipient. It's the Jews. It's, it's the nation of Israel. Yeah. And so they're about to be delivered from chaos. Yeah. You know, God has caused this chaos, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's come in here and busted all this wickedness and evil up and uh, turned these people's world upside down yes. in a very significant way. Their entire culture, their entire, entire society has been turned upside down, so much so that even Pharaoh's counselors, his advisors, have said, we're ruined. Our nation is ruined. Mm-hmm. They went from the most powerful nation on the planet you know, over the course of however many days, however many weeks this was, um, and now they're ruined. Yeah. So, you know, from hero to zero, real, real quick, um, in the eyes of the world. Well, sometimes what we forget, we start looking at all this, and we see all the, 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 the people and the places and the things. Never forget one thing, guys. God's got a plan. Mm. God's got a plan, and He's gonna He's unfolding His plan. Now, you got a plan in your life, and it may take weeks or months to unfold. This one's taking generations to unfold. But he does have a plan. And his plan is ultimately to get his people to heaven. Well, and he's already, and he said that, right? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we have that, right? Where I'm going to handle this evil. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a seed that's going to come and that's going to crush you on the head, right? And so that's what we're we're looking for. That's what we're looking towards. We're looking for that that seed of woman. That seed of woman. And so we've, we've had a couple of inklings of that. Right? We've wondered, well, wait a minute, is is it Abraham? Is it Isaac? Is it is it Jacob? Is it one of these kids now? Is it Moses? So we've had this inkling of of who is this seed of woman, right? That's what we're supposed to be looking for. Right now, Pharaoh in the in the narrative has taken kind of that place of of Babylon and well, the, yeah. the serpent and Babylon and evil and wickedness. It's kind of been embodied now in Pharaoh's re- in the reign of these mm-hmm. these Egyptian mm-hmm. pharaohs. But what I, I, you know, you were just saying, you know, God has a plan, and it takes a long time sometimes for that plan to come to fruition. We also have plans, you know. We also make plans, but it's interesting how how oftentimes our plans get so easily wrecked. And so, what I want to ask you about is, our society is in a very similar place to where the the fair not not it's not as extreme, I would say, but it's not too far off. It's not too hard to see the parallels between the Egyptians in this time and where we're at today. And so what I want to ask you is the Jews are about to be delivered here. What's it like going through times such as these, knowing that your God is in control for them or for me, for you. 
it, it's a it's a long process to get to a place, at least for me it was, to get to a place where I realized that God really was in control. You know, for, for the biggest part of my Christian walk, I'm, I'm trying to be in control mm. because that's what I came from. That's where I, that's, that's who I was. That's who we are. But I want to control my, I want to control my own destiny and everything and to figure out, and there's, I still struggle with it sometimes to really let God be in control because it's not easy. You know that it's not easy to let God, let somebody else be in control, especially someone you can't see and say, okay, I give up. You, you take over. You know, but we still want to have our hand in the cookie jar. We still want to have our hand in, in the in the process of, of of controlling the stuff that we can control. And uh, I think I think I, I can relate. I think all of us can relate to these people. They're going to come out of Egypt, and it's going to be a scary place. Coming out of, coming out of the world, and coming to God's world, coming to a spiritual realm is is scary, because there's a it's all new. You know, they they're coming out of Egypt, and it's going to be new for them. They're going to see new things, and, and they're they're going to be completely dependent on God for everything. They can't take enough food and water to sustain them for any length of time. This is a couple of million people coming out of here. We're going to see in a minute how many just how many marching men there are, not counting everybody else. And so, how do you how do you take enough provisions? You have to depend on somebody. They they're completely dependent on Moses. You know, and rightly in my in my day. I was completely dependent on the preacher that was here and the guy that studied with me. That's who I was dependent on for them to sustain me, for them to feed me, for them to nourish me. You know, it wasn't about God anymore. I was, I was getting fed and nourished through them. They were going to God and I was getting nourished through them. And that's just the way it works. And we, have, and we as, as uh, teachers and, and preachers or whoever, we need to understand that the people that we convert are going to need us to help nourish them uh, for a while. That's not us taking the place of God. That's just helping them stay connected to God. That's what Moses did. Moses and Aaron did. Moses and Aaron are going to keep them connected to God when they don't have any connection to God at all on their own. They don't talk to God. They don't have any any of this law or any of that. Yeah, yeah. They don't, they don't talk to him. Moses does that. And Moses relates mm, what I God's see saying. That. See? So I didn't have a connection to God. You know, at first, it was through Rudy Ray and Dwayne Wheeler. And they're the ones that sustained me, made sure they they called me and made sure like we were talking about someone today that you're gonna have you're gonna sit down with and you know that that needs your help right now. Well, right now you are that that viable link between them and God that they don't have right now that they're still struggling to find. You know, it's it's interesting. You you mentioned, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> you mentioned that it's coming out of the world, and you and the the parallel here is is I think quite excellent. They are coming out of the world, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to depend on God, and they're going to fail. Absolutely. They're going to fail. They're not going to depend on him. They're not going to no. trust him. And no. there will come a point where he's done with them, mm-hmm. where, they, where they reject him and his plan and what he's doing, and he, in turn, rejects them. Well, you know, I think about it from my, you know, really quickly on, I don't know how long it was, maybe a year, two years, and Dwayne Wheeler left town. He left town. He moved. Now, part of my support structure is gone. And then not long after that, Rudy Ray went and preached somewhere else. So now, you know, I've got to, I've got to do this on my own now. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, there were other people that stepped in, but, you know, I mean, and I, and I did have a relationship. I did have a connection to God by then. 
but we need to understand, like you said something today, and we, we just got through with our men's breakfast this morning, and, and, uh, and you said we can't keep doing everything. You and I can't keep doing everything. And I said, and John L. did our devotional this morning, and I said, who's doing it up? Who's up next month? I said, because Cole and I are done. We're not doing this every month anymore. We're done. Somebody else go step. And James Coburn stepped up and said, "I'll do well, it." Well, and it's it's like any everything else in his church. It's not it's not ever been about the only one person the church has ever been about is Jesus. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's the way it should be. It absolutely, should, it, it shouldn't. You know, if if I go, the world shouldn't fall down. Yeah. If you go, yeah. if he God shouldn't calls you home, down. or you shouldn't the church should, shouldn't fall down. Should, but that's but we should we have to be taking them to that place like Moses taking them to Moses knows I'm not the guy. Right. I'm taking them to this place. That's we should we should understand that and and be taking them to that place, taking right. them to a place, taking them to God where they need to be. And sometimes we fall down and we don't do a good job of it, and we just take over and say it's just easier for us to do it. And, and we've got to trust that God knows. And we got And so that we have, now we have to trust that God <laughs> is is taking us there too. You know. But it's a it's a it's a scary place going from the world, absolutely coming into the church and then realizing. That God is in control, and and, and you know, we'll we'll pull that out of the text because this is going to be scary for them. Oh yeah, there's going to be a lot of you know just in a, just a very short time it's going to get real scary real it's, quick. I mean, look, it's getting real. Yeah, right. Let's real. let's get into fourteen here. Okay. We're going to be in Exodus right. twelve fourteen. This is a day you are to commemorate for generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. So it's it's not this is not God saying like, hey guys, look, if you could please really try hard. Yeah. No. Please don't not, you know, not, if no. you could if you could find no. it in yourself, please really hard try. Don't eat any yeast. Yeah. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, You're gonna take this yeast out of your house, and if anyone eats it, you're done. We'll That's how you. important you're I'm cut. Throw you out of the family. You're cut. You're cut. Cut out. That's it's intense. On the so that on the first day hold a sacred assembly, and, and another one on the seventh day do no work at all on these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. Celebrate the festival and the unleavened bread because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month you are to eat bread without yeast from the evening of the fourteenth day until the evening of the twenty-first day. For seven days no yeast is to be found in your house. And anyone, whether foreigner or native-born, who eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. And so we discussed last week how yeast is a metaphor for sin. Mm -hmm. um, Christ talked about this as well in the Gospels, right? A little yeah. yeast leavens the whole uh, little. A little yeast leavens the whole lump. And so this has always been a metaphor for sin. It's really starting here that we see that. Uh, very clearly and so they've been told you know you're not god is going to come deliver you this is you're going to celebrate this in in remembrance of god delivering you from egypt we also know that this is a shadow pointing towards christ yep. and so you must be holy so don't eat bread with the yeast in it that's that's kind of the connection there mm -hmm. then moses summoned all the elders of israel and said to them this is verse 21 go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the passover lamb so to recap god has told uh pharaoh through moses an angel the Lord is going to pass through, and he's going to kill all the firstborn. All the firstborn. In Israel the, and Egypt. In Israel and Egypt. And this is what they're being told to do. Excuse me. This is what they're being told to do to avoid their first firstborns being killed. Mm -hmm. So this is a major judgment, and God has given them the tools and the means yep. to by which 
they may be passed over, mm-hmm. that they their children may not be killed, their firstborns may not be killed. Um, this got real intense real quick. Yeah. Yep. There's some expectation here for these people. That to me says, I mean, that says it's not, God isn't going to just separate them from the Egyptians anymore on his own. He had, there's some expectation on the Jews. They're going to have to do some things. Yeah. Yeah. Same for us. When he pulls us out of the world, there's an expectation. We have to do some things. Yeah. You can't just, you know, it's not just, you know, okay, this is wonderful. I, I'm going to go to church sing, sing Kumbaya and Hallelujahs and all that, and everything will be good, and I'll, and I'll just keep living my life. You can't do that. God requires us to change our life. He requires the removal of sin from our life. He does that through the through washing of the blood in, on our lives. And then he requires us to start walking towards him, following him, picking up our cross, serving him daily. That's what he requires of us. That's exactly what he's going to require of these people. Follow me. And he said, I'll lead you. He's going to, Moses is going to be up there, but what's going to be in front of Moses? A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Moses says later in the law, you know, he says, you know, we can do this. It's not like you've got to go all the way up to heaven to find these words or you've got to go all mm-hmm. the way down or send someone across the sea. We can, we've, he's told us what we want. It's like wisdom in Proverbs, right? Wisdom calls out in the street. It's not, God wants us to search mm-hmm. for his rule, his law, all of those things. Yeah. His, you know, who yeah. he is, right? Wisdom is the fear of the Lord and, uh, Oh gosh, what is it? Proverbs nine ten is what I'm thinking of here. Wisdom is a uh, wisdom is this: fear the Lord and keep, not keep His commandments. Golly gee, I can't recall what the ha- other half of that verse is, but it's shunning evil. So mm-hmm. it's wisdom is knowing who God is and then putting it into practice by shunning evil. Mm-hmm. Now on this side of the cross, we know that God is going to help us keep mm-hmm. His covenant. He's going to help us do the right thing. What he expects of us is to do exactly what you said: yeah. is to put our minds, yeah. our crosshairs, yeah. on Him and follow. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, in verse 21, then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, go at once and select animals. Take a, bu- uh, take a bunch of hyssop in verse 22, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top uh, and on both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. I, I don't want to, I want to clarify that. I think I said earlier, the angel of the Lord was going to come through and do some of this. It's the destroyer mm-hmm. rather the destroyer. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke, misspoke. Um, so in verse 24, obey these instructions. So what happens if they don't obey? They're gonna get, they're gonna, the firstborn is going to die. You know, you know what I'm not noticing here is Moses isn't asking for any of their opinions on this. No. God has said this is the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. This is the way it's going to be then. Mm-hmm. They don't get to go to God. <coughs> they don't get to go to God and say, well, but could we do it this way instead? Well, what's the significance and the relevance for us today? You know, the, the, the destroyer is coming back. Mm. Okay, he's coming back. And he's going to do the same thing next time. And he's going to pass over those who have the blood on them. And he's going to destroy those who don't. So the significance is huge. You know, the requirement for us mm, is yeah. to be ready to, to, to march, yeah. be ready to go. But if you don't have the blood on you, he will destroy you. Mm. Because the destroyers come. Jesus said in Second Thessalonians, he's going to come back in blazing fire and take vengeance on those who do not know God and those that have not obeyed the gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, obedience to the gospel is is multifaceted, all right? It's not just, you know, I go jump through this or jump through this hoop, but this is multifaceted. You know, being obedient to the gospel means I have given my life to God. I have I've declared an, on oath that he is my, my, my redeemer and my savior. 
I have been obedient to what he said to do. I've been baptized into Christ, and I have and I have got come out of the water to walk as a new creature, understanding that now I'm an ambassador for Christ. I have a responsibility as a representative of the of the Godhead here on earth to be making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, understanding that God is with me, and and I have and when that when those things are happening, the blood, Jesus said the blood washes me clean. That I've come in contact with the blood. Okay? So when the destroyer comes back, the death angel comes back, he will see the blood on me and, and I will be passed over and be taking, taken with Christ. But I think there are some that would ask, well, what about what, what part does repentance play in this? Because what about repentance? You talked about baptism, but what about repentance? There can't be any of the any of this without repentance. There can't be any you know, these folks, what did he require of them? Tuck your have your have your staff in your hand. Put your sandals on, tuck your cloak in your in your belt, take the unspotted lamb, butcher it, take the blood, put it on the doorpost, and and cook it, roast it in the fire with its insides in it. Is that not all he said? Let's say you decide don't eat any unleavened bread. Let's say you decide you decided I don't really want to I don't really want to cook it with its guts in it. I'm gonna take its guts out. Or I don't really want to. I don't really want to put the, the blood on the door. Or I don't really. I don't really think it's that important for me to have my shoes on and my staff in my hand. And it my really th- was. Have you ever tried to eat something? I mean, it's already nasty. Now you're telling me I got to eat with my staff in my hand. God, come on. But what if I decided that day not to do that? <laughs> what if I decided that I, I was? I've decided. What, what if I decided my opinion from listening to all these these church gurus out there? That my opinion now is, well, I don't have to really do all this stuff. That God's, God really wants to bless me and save me. And he really wants to, wants to lift me up. And he wants to bless me with health and wealth. And, you know, I'm going to be a rich man and, and completely healthy. I'm never going to die, I guess, because I'm going to be healthy all my life. You know, what, what, if, what if my opinion is, but I can't find that in the book. So did God really say it? What if he didn't really say it? What, what if he didn't really say it, guys? What if, what if what he said is, you know, my charge to you is Jesus is going to come back and take vengeance on those with his powerful angels. Now, we're going to study at some point how powerful these angels are and how many it took to do certain things. Okay, we'll see different things. Can't wait to get to some of that stuff. Because the rate we're going, we're going to beat the 50 years before we get there. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, seeing angels take out Sodom and Gomorrah, we've already seen that. Two angels took out Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, angels are going to take out thousands of people. And he's going to come back with, with, Jesus said, don't you know I could call legions of angels? How many is that? One legion, five, ten, twenty. Each legion is 6,000 angels. How many did he need? He's going to come back with a whole lot of destroyers, and they're going to, and they're going to wreak havoc on the world. Now, I understand that he, he's going to, he could have taken us out of the world. I understand all that. But the, but the symbolism is the same. If I don't have the blood on me, I will be left behind for the destroyer to take advantage of. And if I don't obey him, there you go. I will never and have repentance. The blood. What did he tell? What did he tell in Acts chapter two? What does Peter tell them when they say, "Men and brethren, what can we do?" When they're cut to, when he tells them, "You killed and murdered the only Son of God. Yep. You did it." And they they know he's right. And he said, "What can we do?" And he said, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you." In the name of Jesus Christ, for the mission of your sin, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Is that how clear is this? I mean, how? I mean, yo, know, he said, put your staff, hold your staff, put your cloak in your, and put your shoes on. 
<laughs> he said, repent, be baptized. Guys, why are you arguing with me that baptism is not necessary? Or that, well, repentance means I just if I say I'm sorry. That's not what the word means. No. The word means to turn around and go the other way. That's right. It means to stop sitting and turn around and go the other way. It's a, it's a turnaround. So my life before is one way. Now it's going the other well, way. Well, and it's repent. So what did they do? They they'd killed the Messiah. Yeah. Right? So repent from that. If they're turning away from that, it means we're no longer attacking or against the Messiah. We're now, we're, now we're, we're now we're gonna follow him. Now we're so gonna follow him. I'm gonna so I'm gonna turn and follow, right? And submit to his authority. That's in the name of Jesus. That's submitting to his authority. That's absolutely right. So repent, turn away from killing, mm-hmm. submit to his mm-hmm. authority, mm-hmm. and be immersed. Yeah. It's, I, and, I don't see I don't see the dilemma, guys. Well, and, and and look, there's and this isn't a class specifically on uh, immersion or baptism, but it's just. But it's we part have of to, the obedience to the gospel. We have to be. This is how we obey. Absolutely. And Jesus said he was going to come back and take vengeance, a destroyer. We've talked. We've already talked about how much this is a shadow. I hope you're seeing it. How this is a metaphor for what's hap- What's going to happen again with Down Jesus? The road. We need his blood. We need forgiveness. We need a Passover lamb. We need someone who's going to help pass over our sins. We I need told, this. I told my class Sunday morning that uh, that there's a lot of negativity in the world. Mm-hmm. There was in Jesus' day because if you look at John chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, I mean, there's a lot of negativity. The Pharisees are just on him all the time. And I said that that never changed the fact of who he said he was. And, and it never changed the fact that he said that he was here to, to answer the problem, to be a solution for the problem. That's still the same today as it was then. That's right. You know, it's only his blood could do what, what needed to be done. Well, only he, his blood. He didn't come to judge the world. He came, he came to, to save, save it. it. That's exactly right. But the next time he comes, when he comes back, it'll mm-hmm. be judgment. Yeah. So in verse 24, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants when you enter the land. And we see that in the Gospels in uh-huh. Jesus' day. They were still doing this ceremony. They were still doing this, practicing this thing. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spread our home and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And the people d- bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. Pretty, pretty serious stuff, don't you think? He tells us. Man, in, my, in my house, I would have been, I'd have been dead in my house. I was the firstborn. My son Mark would have been, would have been dead in my house. He's the firstborn of my children. Been dead. You know, you know. And now we got families out there that that everybody in the family is going to be dead because they none of them have the blood on them. They haven't decided to be obedient to the to the gospel. They haven't decided to follow Christ. You know, there are people watching right now. They're they're watching us and saying, "I eh, don't have pertain to me." Sure, it does. It absolutely does. You know, what if Jesus came back tomorrow? Would you Do you know for sure that you go to heaven? Do you know for sure you have the blood on you? Do you know how to get the blood on you? If the answer is no, then, then what are you waiting for? Find out. Get in the book. Call somebody. Call us. We'd love to sit down and visit with you. You know, just, because this is applicable to us today. Jesus is going to come back and take vengeance. He said that. The destroyer is coming back, and we need any, any church without the blood, anybody without the blood on them, it's going to be destroyed. That's what he promised. 
Not my words, that's his words. I don't want to be be one of those, so I'm going to make sure I have the blood on me. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get the blood on me. So. That's right. That's right. All right. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and, her- and herds, as you have said, and go. And also bless me. <laughs> yeah, he's going to need it. Um, the Egyptians urged urge the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said we will all die. So this is kind of like the last uh, institution falling. God has demonstrated that he is authority over everything, mm-hmm. including life and including death. And this sh- this final act destroys the last bit of Egyptian society. Yeah, Everything that they held on to before this, all of their... Supposed, like what 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 I've said before is, it certainly seems in our culture we've turned science science mm-hmm. into an idol, mm-hmm. right? Science is just a process by which we learn things. You know, it's testing and observing and, yeah. and, and hypothesizing and all of those things. But we've turned it into a talisman or a watchword. Well, are you following the science? And often those who clutch to that the most are in fact not following or reacting to data. Yeah. And it's the same thing. So for those people. The world has been turned upside down. For these people that we're reading about back in Egypt, the world has been completely turned upside down. Um, Where their deities were the strongest and had control and they knew how to manipulate and move things to get what they wanted. Now God has demonstrated, Mm. I am God. You don't know what you're doing. I have authority. So the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country for otherwise they said we will all die. So the people took their uh, dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders and kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. So not only, I mean, this is a God thing. You know, God has made it so that the Egyptians, instead of looking at the Israelites as the problem as Pharaoh did, they probably looked at Pharaoh as the problem. Well, God made them disposed to pay for pay these people to leave. Mm-hmm. Here, take our money. Just go. Here, we'll pay you to leave. <laughs> go. We don't, we we have had a belly full of y'all. We don't want y'all here anymore. And God made it where they decided, hey, we'll pay you. Go. And they're going to use this all down the road. They're just going to come in handy because they're going to take all this gold and silver and all these all these articles of clothing, and God's going to use them. We'll see when we get there. The Israelites journeyed, this is verse 37, the Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the uh, dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now, the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years to the very uh, very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. So God did what he said he was going to do. It's amazing that that God's got this planned out and the way it's planned out exactly 430 years to the day. You know, God's plan is coming, unfolding. You know, he puts them there, knows what the plan is, got them there for four generations, 400 years, 430 years. And now all of a sudden, now here they, now they're going to go out. Now he's got, here's another part of the, of the process. They're, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to walk into a new, new part of their life. You know, they're going to, they're going to go to, uh, uh, they're going to start walking and they're going to start traveling, going to the promised land. That's where they're going. God 
is ever faithful. Yep, absolutely right. He told Abraham this was going to happen. He told Abraham the nation that took his descendants as slaves would be punished. Mm -hmm. It has been punished. He's leading them out. He promised Abraham mm -hmm. that these uh, that his descendants would inherit the land, mm -hmm. and he is working towards that goal. He is bringing them with power and mighty works and all of these things. He's going to bring them to the land. They're going to reject it, and I think that's that's very important. That's a very important thing for us to consider and latch onto. God is going to work. Yeah. One way or the other, God is going to be about the work that he has set himself to. A, a lot of what we're going to see in the scriptures now, and, and there's going to be stories from time to time, but a lot of it's going to be rules, regulations, you know, tedious stuff. We're going to try to navigate through this stuff to make it as interesting as possible, you know, we're going to, you know because it, it can get boggy. And so we're going to try not to do that, not to get boggy. I, I just noticed what's coming up next. He, he, well, here's rules for the Passover. Well, you know, We've done a bunch of that already. He's going to talk about people, people that are that are foreigners and what they have to do before they can celebrate it. It's let's just put it this way, guys. It's important, and God's had a plan, and God set it in motion. Why can we say we say that it's not as important to God today that we're obedient to the things He tells us to do? I'm sorry. Why? Why would? Could, how can we say then that it's not important? Then something as simple as baptism or repentance is not that important to God when it when those things were important to Him. It is important today. It is important. Yeah. It's important that we do what God says. We don't have the uh, we don't have the luxury of creating our own opinion. Well, it's you know, and if you you're you're local and you've been in my Wednesday night class, you know we've talked a lot about covenants. Mm -hmm. God doesn't make parody covenants. He doesn't he doesn't enter into what we we consider contracts with people, right? What we look at as a contract, you go to buy a loan, where you go to buy a car, not a loan, mm -hmm. and you can sit there and you can haggle, mm -hmm. right? And they can change it. You can't haggle with God. Mm -hmm. God says this is the way it is. The only choice you have is to accept it or reject it. Yeah. You can't say, well, you know, I'll take that first part, but that second. Or you can't say, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't care for the first part, but I'll take the second. You can't do that. But you have to a, take all but of Cole, it. Cole, you know, we've got a society full of people today that are trying to make deals with God. Oh, well, and that's, but that's always the case. But we've done that too. Oh, sure. And what I'm telling you guys is, is you don't have the luxury to make deals with God. God has a specific purpose, a specific plan, and it's our job all of our job, y'all's and our, all of our job, to, to fall in line with the plan. And this is simple. It's simple. Just fall in line with the plan. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. You have to love your parents and your family less than you love me, and you have to give everything up for me. It's pretty simple. Not it's that complicated. Very difficult. Well, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of it. It is, it is difficult, all right? But, uh, but it's really, in, all in all, it's really simple. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to study again. We pray, Father, that, that uh, those that are watching, that they, will, that they will learn and they'll grow and they'll, they'll understand how important it is, Father, to allow you to dictate in their lives what is necessary to be done and what they should be doing in their lives. Father, help all of us to be, uh, to be mindful every day that, uh, that the relationship we have with you is because you desired it to, have, to be and then created the opportunities for us to have that relationship. Thank you, Father, for that, and thank you for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.